0: Welcome to the Strategic Marketer Podcast, where we talk about strategies, tactics, and practical steps to help you become a more strategic marketer. I'm your host, Joseph Lewin, and today I'm speaking with Haley Wilson. Haley is an account executive at HubSpot that focuses on mid-market sales. Now, you might be asking, Why are you having a salesperson on a marketing podcast? Well, today, Haley and I are talking about sales alignment or sales enablement, where marketing and sales come together. Now, in the B2B space, marketing and sales are always going to be intertwined. You can't completely separate them. Although at many companies, they act as if they're two completely separate entities. And so we're gonna be talking about how HubSpot does it, how they get alignment between their sales and marketing team because they are very good at it, and some of Haley's previous experience trying to get alignment between the marketing and the sales team. So buckle up, it's going to be a good one. In the sales space, it's easy to feel like you have to, like people have to like you, you know, I feel like that's kind of something that people commonly feel um, when they're in the sales role and trying to figure that out with customers. But um, how important is it to be liked by your prospects as a salesperson?
1: Yeah. Um, this one for me, you know, was a tough kind of pill to swallow and a tough thing to come to the realization to, because I always thought, you know, you think of your stereotypical salesperson rubbing elbows, you know, chatting, chatting, building jokes, building rapport and that sort of thing. Um, and I think all of those things are important in sales, right? But I don't necessarily necessarily think that that makes you a, a good or a great salesperson, right? Um, I'm not saying like, Go around being mean or like not treating people right or or not, don't build rapport with your prospects or that sort (laughs) of thing. Um, But I think that there's more to sales than that, right? Um, And I think I came to that realization um, earlier in the year. I read a book called The Challenger Sale. Um, You know, it's basically just like a study um, over the span of a couple of years where they looked at the most, uh the best performing like sales folks, and they kind of categorize mm. them into a couple of different categories. And surprisingly enough, as I was reading this book, it said like, you know, the the relationship driven buddy, buddy salesperson was actually like one of the the worst performing types of salespeople really? <laughs> that there could be. Yeah. That's um, really fascinating. And- it's really it was really interesting and, and they categorized the most effective salesperson, right, as as what's called like the challenger seller. Right. And and it is what it sounds like. Right. Challenger sellers are totally OK with, um, you know, presenting conflicting opinions, challenging the mm. prospect again, not in a rude way, but challenging their point of view. Um they're open to talking about money and budget and decision making and, and they don't undervalue their process or undervalue their product or their service that they're selling. So um essentially they just they they help educate prospects, teach prospects and take control of prospects throughout the process. And so after reading that book, I'm like, man, that's something that I need to to actively mm-hmm. work on and actively focus on in my conversations because I'm a super, you know, high D, high I, I'm very extroverted, you know, want to be friends with everyone. And But yeah. I think that the more, you know, sales professionals and even marketing professionals can get comfortable with challenging their prospects, I think that that's going to be more effective in the long run.
0: So you mean, if I want to get into sales and be successful, I don't have to necessarily perfect my golf game if I'm going to be successful.
1: No. And I yeah, and I used to think th- I used to yeah, and, and I used to think that, right? You know, you 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 kind of almost like wine and dying, you know, you kind of have to, to do that in order to make a sale. And I mean, yeah, those things are, are are important along the way. I don't think that separates great salespeople good from great salespeople, right? So It's a hard thing for for people like me to swallow, but I think, like I said, I think it it pays off in the long run a ton when you learn that that's not the most important part, you know, uh, of selling.
0: So then, you know, if if likability isn't necessarily at the top of the list, um, and I, you know, I think it's, it sounds like you're kind of pushing back against the idea that you have to like bend over backwards and never say anything controversial so that this person likes you. And Always, you know, if they want a discount, then always being willing to like cut your pricing for them or things like that. You know, that yeah. those things come to mind when you want to be likable and you want to build uh, a friendship with somebody. Um, but I mean, even in the real world, if you're going to build lasting friendships, ones that produce... You know, good quality relationships over time. Mm-hmm. If you bend over backwards like that and you never say anything challenging or controversial, you're probably not going to have really good friends <laughs> in the long run either.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's kind of going along with what you said. You know, you never, the way I look at it is you never want to be like a shadow friend, you know, that friend that always encourages you and everything and never really challenges your point of viewpoint, that friend or your significant other spouse. Um, you don't want to always, you know, kind of go with the flow. It's okay to challenge, you know, the the status quo. I think it's okay to challenge people throughout the sales process too.
0: Yeah. And in fact, it kind of brings to mind, um, I think it was from Ryan Dice from digital marketer. I think that's where I heard it from. So hopefully I don't, uh, want to give people kudos where, where it, it's due them. but they yeah. were talking about getting out of the friend zone, you know, and that with marketing and in sales, it's the same way. Like you can give so much value, but if you're never challenging people and never kind of asking them to make some kind of a a commitment where they're actually giving you something in return, whether that's some time or revealing something about their budget or whatever it might be, something that they are going to have to give something into the relationship. And if you don't do that as you're going along, because you're so concerned about making the person happy and keeping them happy, then you end up being in the friend zone. You know, nobody wants to be in the friend zone. You want to, you know, move to the next level of your relationship. And, you know, it's kind of a similar idea to building a relationship with a prospect. You don't want to be in that friend zone, you know, where they are going to you so they can get lower pricing or so they can figure something else out and, um, you know, get as much as they can from you, but not actually bring you into the decision making process because they feel like. You're not necessarily adding value besides maybe revealing hidden information they didn't have before.
1: Exactly. And and it's like the old, you know, <clears throat> quote, quote adage, whatever, like growth only happens when you're uncomfortable. Right. And so it's important to have those uncomfortable conversations of like, yeah, like you think this is the best solution for you, but I'm gonna tell you I've I've worked with five other businesses who have had that same problem as you in the way the solution you think is correct. It's not, you know, I, I kind of have that experience there. And so I think, again, just just mm. being open to, to being that challenger, um, like you said, it's it, it even translates beyond sales and marketing. It, it, it translates to, you know, I, I think just life experiences and building healthy relationships with the people around you as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And as you're describing that, um, more of that challenger idea where it's likability, I'm thinking of people who are more in in, in the services So, you know, if if it's an accountant or if you're going to a mechanic or a doctor, you don't go in there expecting that person to, you know, take you out to dinner. You go in (laughs) there and, you know, I'm just thinking specifically a mechanic. You know, you take your car in and there's something wrong with your car. You're going to the mechanic to have your car diagnosed. Yeah. (laughs) And then they're going to look at your car and they're probably going to give you some bad news. And I mean, who wants to spend money on their car? So you're not exactly happy to be there. (laughs) You're not excited about what they're going to tell you, but you're coming to them because they're, you know, more in that trusted advisor role. They are going to challenge you and they're going to lay out some things that maybe you hadn't thought about and give you some different, a different outlook on things and say, Hey, this is something that is really important. And you know, this is something you might be able to hold off on. But I'm just thinking it's interesting. If you think in terms of that kind of a relationship you would never expect that person to buy you lunch in order <laughs> to, to yeah. get a meeting. So, you know, reframing that a little bit is helpful. Yeah, it's like,
1: well, yeah, like, why do you think, why do we think in, you know, any sort of B2B marketing or sales that it has to be any different, you know?
0: Yeah, and it actually builds trust. Like when somebody is honest with you and upfront and they're not overly buttering you up or you know, like, okay, when's the hard sell coming? When's the hard pitch <laughs> yeah. coming? Yeah, you know, when they're not doing that, but they give you some... Something to really chew on that you hadn't thought of. It's like, wow, I really trust this person more, and I'm more likely to ultimately go with them, even if they're more expensive. If they, if they taught me something, you know, if they helped me to understand yep. the problem better, the situation gave me a, a new perspective I hadn't thought of before.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's just you know establishing yourself as like a thought leader, right? Like your thought leader, you're you're open to challenging them and, and teaching them and, and showing them a, a new point of. Uh, a new point away. And I just think about like, I don't know, think of any enjoyable sales process that you had. And uh, for me, things that come to mind aren't like, oh, this person was really nice. Or like this person was, you know, uh, great at, you know, being, you know, this person had great sales technique. It's like, no, you know, and there's nothing more exciting to me, right? When you're making a purchase and like you really, like you had said, Joseph, you feel like you're like learning, like during the sale, like that's exciting yeah. when you walk away and you're like, oh my gosh, like I came in here thinking I was going to get a solution. And not only did I get a solution, like I know why I'm in this pain that I'm in or I know why I'm going through this purchasing process. Mm-hmm. And you walked away with not only a potential solution, but like this other knowledge that you can apply to me. That's like that's a game changer. I that, that guess that's what gets people really excited and invested in in whatever you know type of solution you provide, whether it's a product or a service.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And in the B2B space, it's a little bit different than business to, you know, B2C, the business to consumer world, because you're typically not having a one and done sale in B2B. Mm -hmm. So when somebody buys from you, it's not, it's really not a close. My friend Brian Wallace was talking about this the other day. He's like, it's, it's not a close. It's the beginning of a relationship. It's really the opening. So when somebody signs a deal with you, Um, And I know with HubSpot, that's certainly true, you know, that when somebody buys from you, it's just the beginning. And if you've done something to trick that person or manipulate them, I mean, honestly, when I think back of sales that I've, like you're saying, salespeople I've worked with, it's the people who were more concerned about helping me, helping me to understand something and walking me through the process and like illuminating things for me and being patient. Those are the people that I still have long-term business relationships with. Mm -hmm. But when I think of the people who are those more Real, uh, the relationship side where I did really like them up front a lot of times I kind of have a bad taste in my mouth because it didn't really in the long you know I leave that sale and in the moment I felt good about it but I walk out the door and I'm like I right, I still have some questions about this that I feel like <laughs> yeah. weren't quite answered this week's episode of the strategic marketer is brought to you by the brand compass course If you're looking to take your marketing services side hustle to the next level, the Brand Compass course is for you. In the course, you're going to learn how to identify your ideal customers and narrow down to serve a niche market. Then you're gonna learn how to productize your offering so that it's easier for customers to understand exactly what you do for them. And then you're gonna put all of this information into a one-page messaging guide. That way you can use your customer's language to speak exactly to their pain points and problems every single time. Check out the show notes for a link to the course. Let's let's move on to kind of a a slightly different different topic. So something else that we talked about um, is when a prospect doesn't feel the pain of a problem or they don't think they're experiencing the problem that the salesperson has. Um, You know, what, is that, what does that mean? What, what does that kind of trigger in your mind and how do you approach a prospect that's in that situation?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, kind of similar to, you know, our first kind of topic and it's a hard pill to swallow, but I think... Uh, again the difference between good and great salespeople is that great sales folks don't spend their time chasing after opportunities that are that aren't ready for them and that aren't a good mm-hmm. fit for them that aren't in enough pain to to interact or to to do business with them right so um before working at HubSpot I worked at at two two companies one was a really tr- true startup um and one was a little bit more of a tenured company but kind of saw it a, a startup sort of feel um so needless to say, right, I've been in a position where I didn't have leads coming in like I, mm-hmm. I do at HubSpot, right? And it's it's a very different feeling when um, you're, you know, not getting five to six MQLs every single day. Um, you're lucky if you're getting one every two weeks, right? So I've been yeah. in that position where, you know, um, it's difficult to turn down opportunities or to be open to turning down opportunities but the more I think about the times um, and the deals I worked with some of these smaller companies um, that ended up bursting to flames after they were closed <laughs> and ended up not being good fits after they were yeah. closed, it's because, you know, one, obviously I didn't do my job either detecting that there wasn't enough pain or I prescribed, you know, a, a solution that wasn't correct. Mm. Um or two, I mean, I guess kind of similar to one. Like I was trying to fit a square peg in a round hole, or, or something like that, right? And so I think as a as a sales rep, especially if you don't have leads coming in, it's extremely difficult to be like, yeah, no, this one lead that came in that I, you know, uh, got for the first time in three weeks, like I'm not going to chase it. It's, I, you know, they're not yeah. enough pain, but I think that the more you re- recognize good fits versus bad fits the better you get at question asking to really identify pain um mm-hmm. the more successful your product or service is going to be and the the best example i can give of this is you know i've started asking questions when talking to to companies that are exploring hubspot you know asking them about their current tech setup and saying like you know well gee mr or mrs prospect like it sounds like your current setup is really working well for you. Like, why did you even want to take this call? Or mm-hmm. why are you even exploring HubSpot and almost like making it their job to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm in this pain and I'm hurting and I need a solution like yours.
0: Yeah, that's, that's excellent. I love that line of questioning. Um, and it, I've even, um, you my, know, my former life when I was sweeping chimneys, I was in a very heavy, <laughs> sa- there's a very heavy sales, sales. Oh column, yeah. Service and oh, sales. yeah. Um, and I remember when people would bring up the competition at first, when I was first enrolled, you know, you're kind of thinking like, Oh, we're better features and benefits. Here's why you should work with us. And we have, you know, a plus rating in the middle, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I start just being like, man, you know, they're, they're a great company. You know, they, they do good work. And then what would invariably happen when I say that is they would go, well, I did have this question about them. And here's what they said that. That I wasn't really super excited about or whatever. And they start, they start, you know, talking bad about this other company. And I'm like, oh man, wow, that's kind of surprising. You know, and then they're like, oh no, yeah. and they like double down on it. So when you open up for people to 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 answer those kinds of questions and and you're um not as forceful. I mean, you're yeah, I mean you're you're not trying to force them into a certain answer, but at the same time, it kind of goes back to that first thing of you're challenging them. You know, and you're kind of pushing back on them and being like, almost in a sense, not saying it this way, but like, are you wasting my time by calling me here? Like, yeah, it, it's you must have called me for a reason, but I'm not quite seeing what it is. And then that gives them the opportunity to either say, here's really what it is, or
1: you know, uh, you're right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And I think, I think, and in, in from both a marketing and a sales perspective any company that's like doesn't believe that there are other competitors out there that are doing stuff better than them or are doing stuff just as great as them any companies that don't believe that i mean that's you know that's crazy talk right there's there's millions of different companies uh providing millions of different products and solutions and part of you know your role as a as a marketer or salesperson is to like you had said joseph be able to recognize like hey yeah you're exploring you know x versus y well yeah i mean here at X, we have, you know, this. Why? I'll be honest, you know, here's where they excel. Uh, mm. but at the end of the day, you know, here's why, um, we're better, again, prescribed for the, the pain that you're having. Mm. Um, and I think the, the, the more you're able to speak to that, and the more that you're even open to speak to that. And like you had said, not just yeah. start rattling off, like, oh, we got all these awards and we're better because of this, 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 and this. I think the better, the better position that you're going to be in, um, not only to close a sale, but also f- for for the long run and, and, and for keeping up the, that good relationship, um, both on like a business level and like a, a individual level, kind of like you had mentioned earlier.
0: Yeah. And I've seen it in, in different sales teams where, they are trying so hard to create pain that the person just isn't really experiencing, or to attribute pain pain to a problem that that the prospect isn't really seeing. And um, we might know as the as the person as the practitioner that this really is that the root of what they're experiencing or their challenge is coming from this. But if they don't, if they're not seeing that, you know, how from your perspective, how hard should you be pushing? when the person doesn't seem to be connecting those dots between, you know, the pain they're experiencing and the problem, the, their perceived problem, or, you know, when those things aren't quite aligning, uh, how hard do you push them to try to to push on that pain?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one, right? Because I think that there's only so much you can do. Like, I, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make a drink, again, another classic, you know, adage, but I, you know, if I ask you, you know, questions about, okay, you know, what happens if you don't achieve these growth goals? How is it going to impact you personally? How is it going to impact the business overall? And, you know, you're sharing things like we might have to, you know, cut members of our team or, you know, we're not going to hit our growth goal which leads to X and Y and you're still not open to exploring a solution. There's not much I can do for you there, you know? And and, yeah. and for me, I'm not going to, um, and it's taken me a while to recognize this, but I'm not going to spend hours working on a demo and putting together a quote and doing all this stuff for someone that's that they don't, if they don't recognize that pain, I'll, you know, put them on a drip campaign and hope that in a month or so they recognize like, Oh, you know, Oh crap, this is, this is bigger than I thought it was. And, you know, we can re-engage at that point. But I think, you know, if you do your good, if you do a good job of asking those hard hitting questions, you allow them to discover that pain. And, and if at the end of the day, they still don't have any sort of urgency after You've done a good job of laying out like, okay, like the, here's where this is going. If you don't make a change, if, if they don't see that, I don't think there's, there's anything that you can do about that as a salesperson, um, or should do, you don't, you ever want to corner someone into a sale if you don't feel like they're ready for it. Um, so with yeah. solid questioning, if they still don't see it, I, you know, in that case, I, like I said, I'm putting them on a campaign and, and waiting to, to touch base with them in, in a couple of weeks slash months.
0: Yeah, no, that's excellent. And I think that's a huge challenge with people in sales because there's pressure, there's oh you know, yeah, pipeline reviews and quotas and all this stuff. So people feel totally. a lot of pressure. And I think it's easy to get the eye off of off of the off of what the goal should be, which is to serve this customer and to make their life better. And if if they're not seeing it and you're not helping them, how does hounding them by making six extra phone calls to them over the course of a week? How is that helping you know is that really yeah, and it's not for them or for you <laughs> at that yeah point. it's
1: not yeah and, and at some point right if 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 they're just simply not ready i think um, by not being respectful of that you can you can put a bad taste in their mouth by hounding them like you had said like hey mr prospect you know we talked last week are you ready now like you know it's th- there's only so yeah. much you can do um and it's just about you know working with marketing honestly to continue to nurture those those types of prospects um, until they're at that kind of tipping
0: point. Strategic Marketer is brought to you in part by Thrive Themes. Thrive Themes is a killer visual WordPress editor. They've also recently launched editable themes so that you can edit every element of your WordPress theme. You can create amazing landing pages that are beautiful and conversion focused. They have built all of their products around helping you convert more leads into customers. You can find out more about Thrive Themes by clicking the link in the show notes. Yeah, well, that's a great um, that's a great segue into something that is really important. I mean, this is really an important part, and why I wanted to have you on the podcast because in in uh, business to business industry marketers have to understand sales. They have to understand yeah. the sales process for the majority of business-to-business marketing. People aren't going on your website and you know buying a 39 cent widget yeah, and widget. It gets delivered to their house. You know? <laughs> yep. I mean, there is some of that, but for the most part, we're working with the sales team and they're gonna have a complex sale um, You know, in varying degrees of complexity. And so then, as a marketing person, we have to be able to understand how how do marketing and sales align. If we don't understand what you guys are doing, I mean, you're really closer to the customer. You're you're much closer to the customer than the marketing person is. And so, if we don't understand mm-hmm. what you're experiencing and how to help help you in that process, then um, I don't think we can really be that effective in the business to business space. Um, yeah. So, how important? And I know you have some experience with this from from HubSpot, and then. You know, maybe you could speak to some of lacking this in other places, but how important is messaging alignment between sales and marketing, and what role does that play?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think that that alignment period—not even just messaging alignment, but alignment—is is super, super crucial between um, sales and marketing, right? And and as you said, I we kind of we preach this like crazy at HubSpot, so right now I'm I'm super keen to it, um, but. By aligning, I think, you know, both your sales and marketing teams, you're really enabling your company, right? To provide a really like seamless transition from like across your marketing journey, your sales journey, and then even further than that, like your customer service journey and their experience with your company internally, right? Um, and I just think by aligning all of those, it's just going to make for for just a much more successful experience for your end, for your end buyer, Um like I said, I mean HubSpot. I think they do a great job of that. Um, but I mean, and I kind of talked about with this with you, Joseph, in our previous conversation. But I mean, you know, you go on our website. If you if you look around, um, look around at our products, and you decide you want to book a meeting, you know, with with a salesperson to learn a little bit more. You want to book a demo. Um, You're gonna see the exact same verbiage. You're gonna hear the exact same pitch that you see on that on the site, whether it's from a blog that you read, a LinkedIn post, um, just our product pages. Like, you're gonna see and experience that same exact verbiage in a in a in a call, right? Internally, when you actually get on the phone with with the sales Mm. with the salesperson, I use the marketing materials to sell. I I have the marketing materials pulled up and I use that, you know, as 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 like a guide, right, to having any of those conversations. So aligning it, like I said, it's going to provide a, a really smooth um, experience for buyers. It's going to allow your salespeople to make a truly like educated, informative sale. Yeah. Um, and it's going to create trust, I think, throughout the process. Because again, just thinking back to to different um, buying experiences that I've had, like, I bought a new car last year and um I had a I had an excellent purchasing experience in that. Um I looked it up online, I went down to the showroom, the price, mm-hmm. the 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 products, what was available, the delivery date, all of that was the exact same when I went and talked wow. to a person. And then, you know, customer service-wise, when they followed up with me after, like it was just so dang consistent. It was one of the best wow. buying experiences I've ever had. Um, And it makes you trust, right? Trust that business that they're going to provide, you know, exactly what they say that they're going to provide. But ultimately, right, I think getting that alignment is really important. It's not always easy to do when you're, you know, at a smaller company, Um, but it's very, very important.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not easy in some ways, but in other ways, I think it's, it's easier because you're closer to, you know, those departments could be closer together. Like maybe you have an office. Yeah. I mean, for me ah, not, exactly. right now, I have an office next to my sales guy that I work with pretty closely. And so, um, you know, in that case, we can have marketing and sales alignment. But it, I think that's more of something that people in the marketing department and sales department have to understand the value of working together oh, and, yeah. you know, where where they feed into each other, but then also being able to drive the value of that and show the value of that to people who are executives or people who are, you know, the decision makers at, at Internally, so that you can really um, see that alignment coming from the top. And if it's not aligned from the top all the way through the people who are implementing it, it's going to be hard to get that that level of alignment. But what are some? Maybe you could give me some specific examples of uh, of marketing and sales being aligned and that messaging being aligned at HubSpot.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say like one of the the biggest and I think easiest ways that that we do it at HubSpot that anyone listening to this could you know literally uh, do as they're listening to it on their phone or computer or whatever um, is by creating like buyer personas right that's a super easy way um, to I, I guess. From the start, like really align both sales and marketing teams. Um, at HubSpot, I mean, we have these created and and you know, throughout training and ramp and all that, we're educated on these buyer personas. But on the flip side, like I mentioned earlier, I've I've worked at companies where I've helped create, you know, the buyer personas as a salesperson. And so by creating those buyer personas together, right? One, from a sales perspective, you're gonna be able to target the correct buyers, right? You're not you're not going after marketing managers when you really need to be targeting, you know, VPs of, of, of finance or something like that. Right. Um, Two, you're able to speak directly to those buyer pain points, because Mm. again, the marketing team is going to in the sales team can work together to help create that verbiage of, okay, here's the most common pain points for our different buyer personas. and then three, sales, right, and marketing can continue to work together to relay back any sort of data or results or trends that they're seeing in the process um, to continue to refine and, and perfect those buyer personas, right? And again, I think it's just going to add a lot more like consistency and, and yeah. predictability for both marketing and sales. Um, but I think that that's a really easy way to... to an easy first step to align um, teams if, if people haven't already. I know something like buyer personas can be like, oh yeah, okay. Like really, we need to like go through this almost like middle, right. like college, like marketing 101 class of making right. and understanding buyer personas. But it's super important, <laughs> right. right? And anyone that I reach Absolutely. out to and I'm targeting, I, I'm keeping in mind like, okay, here's, you know, your are marketing Mary and your you know, vice president Pam and, and all that. And, and you're right. from a sales Approach, you're able to target those people. And then from a marketing approach, that's who you're writing, creating content for, yeah. you know, trying to market to.
0: And the bigger your company is, the more that that's important because you can't keep all of the language in your head about all of the different perspectives. It's going to yeah. be yeah. pretty complicated. And then to c- keep that consistent in everybody's head, you know, it's going to be hard. So if you're a one man band yeah. and you have one salesperson that you work with, it's, you know, you might get away with not doing that. But if you have multiple salespeople and multiple marketing people, how can you create consistent language that's really going to speak to somebody if you don't have it written down somewhere and, you know, focused like you're saying with a persona or doing something like that. So that's, that's excellent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I've I've kind of experienced both sides of it in that I, I worked at a, at a marketing agency and I was a sale, one of two salespeople. And so, you know, the, the types of businesses that we like to work with, Um, you know, our our personas were were pretty limited. You know, I think we had five or six personas, right? Fast forward, now I'm at HubSpot and we have five hubs and counting and one's for sales, one's for marketing, one's for, you know, customer service, one's CMS, one's ops. And so you start looking at all those different product verticals, you start thinking about all the different decision makers within all of those and without having those, Personas to categorize it. There, there's just no way you could be effective from a marketing or sales um, perspective.
0: Yeah. And then I think another important part is that marketing and sales, it's not just, you know, somebody visits your website, they go through your funnel, then they fill out a form and they're dropped into your sales pipeline. And then they go to sales and now they go through the sales pipeline and then sales drops yeah. them off to implementation and customer service. You know, they really are aligned and, you know, to use uh, some HubSpot terminology, just with that flywheel where things are going yeah. you know, back and forth between the two and, you know, they, they kind of, you're, you're constantly having people go back and forth. And, you know, for example, you were saying with the sales uh, person, if their pain points aren't there, you'll put them into a drip campaign. And then that's where if your marketing people understand your sales yeah. process, then they're going to create a drip campaign for people who are exactly in that spot. And then it can, you know, come back over to you and hand back off over to you after a certain amount of time.
1: Exactly, and then that's that's recently happened to me. I had a prospect that I was reaching out to. I uh, wasn't able to get a hold of them. He ended up going on our website and reading some article about something, was inspired by the, the article on the website that he read. I think it was about like blog creation and, and how important that was. And just like, you know, two weeks after I had been kind of prospecting, trying to, to, to kind of crack a conversation with him, ended up coming back around and, and booking a meeting, right? So it's not a seamless, it's not always a seamless journey. You bounce here and then they're not interested. They bounce back and then they, they read something or, you know, get a piece of content that kind of speeds it up a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, alignment's crucial. And, and, um, I think, you know, no matter what size a company, uh, of company, you know, you are, um, the more aligned you are, the more effective you're going to be for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, let's just round it off with this and you can keep this pretty, pretty brief, you know, the kind of bullet, bullet point, um, answer. And I know you already touched on one, but what are, um, what are a few practical steps that marketing people can take? And, you know, say that they're not, you're not working at a HubSpot and you want to start Mm -hmm. implementing more of this sales and marketing enablement. What are a few practical steps that a marketing person can take?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, one, like I kind of mentioned the creating buyer personas. Um, there are tons of tools out there. I know HubSpot has a tool where you do it. You literally can do it for free. Um, and another tool, and it's, it's like so silly or not even a tool, but another concept. I think a lot of times sales and marketing teams just like don't even interact or like don't even try to work together. And so yeah. it can be as simple as putting heads together and sitting down and having a weekly, you know, strategy session or a weekly brainstorming session. Um, and, and, and just kind of talking through some of these things. I think there's, there's often a really big disconnect between, um, the way, you know, people are selling and the way marketing teams are marketing. And because the teams don't interact, right. No, no one really knows where the disconnect is. So I think, it's not a magic bullet or anything, but I think something as simple as like having a, a weekly brainstorming session um, where you know you, you talk through potential campaign ideas. Sales can yeah. share like, "Hey, here are some common pain points that we've been seeing a ton this week." Marketing can share like, "Hey, here's some of the campaigns we're, we're seeing a lot of buzz from. Here's you know targets yeah. prospects you can target." I think something as simple as just taking the time to like brainstorm and and, and create. Um, Generate conversations between two t- two teams is really, is a great way to do it. Um, another kind of tool, um, and it's a, a little bit of a, a shameless plug, but in for exploring something like a HubSpot or even the resources yeah. that HubSpot has, there are so many free resources out there um, that can help at least get these conversations started or get, you know, guide some of these brainstorming sessions. And so- Absolutely. Um, Google's your friend. Like you can't overlook it. There's tons of resources out there that can help. Um, but you know, a tool like HubSpot could could help. Uh, could help as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I'll shamelessly plug it too. We've been using <laughs> HubSpot for a while, and it, it definitely can help with that sales and marketing alignment for sure. It's it's really valuable to have customer information in one place and be able to you know create campaigns with sales enablement in mind. And I know HubSpot takes that seriously. So. Yeah, Haley, yeah. thank you so much for joining the podcast. Where can people find more about you, or if they're interested in HubSpot, how do they how do they reach out to you?
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, you can find more about me on LinkedIn. I would love to get connected. I'm sure whenever Joseph posts this, I'll go comment and, and plug my LinkedIn. Um, but I'm I'm usually on there pretty often. And yeah, if you're if you're interested in learning more about HubSpot, highly recommend just checking out our website. Um, and you should be able to contact. Uh, the correct folks um, through the website or through any of the you know any of the product or um, service pages for sure but LinkedIn's the best awesome. place to find me as I'm sure it is for you too Joseph
0: Absolutely. yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe too much all right well Haley thank you so much for joining the podcast today I really appreciate it and look forward to future conversations with you
1: appreciate it Joseph thanks so much for having me
0: absolutely Thank you for listening to this episode don't forget to subscribe to The Strategic Marketer, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could do me a personal favor and hit five stars on the rating, you don't have to leave a full review, just hit five stars, it would really help me out. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Strategic Marketer.